Hey, this is John Nettles, and this is the Roots of Revelation podcast, the podcast where we dive into the scripture behind the scripture of Revelation. Okay, we're on to episode 11, and I have to say, um, rather than getting like kind of tired of doing these, I think I'm enjoying these more each time. So that's it's fun. Uh, of course, the first couple of times I felt like it sounded <laughs> like terrible. Anytime you, if you're not used to hearing the sound of your own voice, it's kind of like, ooh, I sound like that bad. Uh, but, you know, as you do anything, you, you get a little more comfortable with it. I don't know if I sound any better, but it's just, I guess I'm used to hearing my voice and it doesn't sound as cringy. Uh, but uh, I, I'm really enjoying these. Um, I, I think I'd be doing it if there was no one out there listening at all. And I'm glad you you guys uh, are. Uh, I by the way, I saw a couple people that were on there from the UK and Australia, which I thought was super cool. So to whoever's listening in South Wales, Australia, good day, mate. Um, so I know that my son would say that was super cringy what I just did, but uh, but I'm cool with it. I hope you are too. Uh, but anyway, glad uh, glad you guys are on and. Um, Today is the last of the reports of the Jesus did to the seven churches. So if you've been following for, I mean, we've done just about every, all of them, except I think I didn't do Pergamum because I thought some of those things in Pergamum had been covered in other, other lessons or other, other episodes, but, but we've done them all other than that. And this is the last one. Um, I'm, by the way, I'm not going to, as we go forward, just like kind of go chapter by chapter. Uh, just kind of to keep it interesting, at least for me, I'm just going to look for topics that, that I, um, am interested in and think that I can add some value to and focus on those. There, there, I've been up front with uh, this whole time saying there's certain things that are probably just above my pay grade. Like I'm not ready to discuss the, the, the thousand year reign with you quite yet. If, uh, but there's other things that I think I can just break down and, and, and work on, work it out together. And so I'm just going to focus on those. So don't, uh, if I skip to some things and say, well, he just forgot chapter four. Totally. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to skip chapter four. I'm just saying I'm not going to try to go chapter by chapter. So with that being said, today is the last of the reports that Jesus did for the seven churches. And we're talking about Laodicea today. That's in, uh, chapter three, kind of towards the end of chapter three. It is the end of chapter three of a revelation. And as we get started, you know, sometimes th- this is not going to be a good report for them. In fact, it's the worst report, but before we throw these guys under the bus in Laodicea, let's ask ourselves if we're really doing so much better than they are. Honestly, I mean, uh, Jesus has the right to judge cause he's perfect and it's his church. But, uh, I have to admit some of Laodicea sounds a lot like our present day culture. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you'll think so too. Maybe you won't. But, uh, the, the main idea that I want to talk about today is don't let the things of this world blind you blind us of our need for God. So as we're thinking about putting ourselves in this situation, ask yourself when the times in your life that you've prayed the hardest, that you've been the most focused, uh, was that, were those always good times or were there sometimes hard times for you. And a lot of times for me, I would say that I have drawn close to God, uh, closest to God during the hardest times of my life. And those are the times 
I don't always feel him there, but I feel my need for him there for sure. Um, the most, and I hate to say that about myself because it sounds a little shallow, but that's, that can be true for me. I don't know if it can be for you, but it seems like it was for the people in Laodicea. So as I like to do, I just did a little homework on Laodicea so we can put, we can think of this as a real place and not just some name in the Bible. So Laodicea, again, all these churches are kind of towards the Western part of what is modern day Turkey. And Laodicea was damaged by an, uh, an earthquake in AD 60. And by the way, I said this, uh, an episode back or so, but, uh, I hope that we'll all be in prayer for the people that are still struggling with that terrible earthquake that happened in um, Turkey and Syria a couple weeks back. I'm, I'm right. I'm recording this in um, the last week of February in 2023. And those people, uh, the, you know, if, if you're listening to us several years from now or whatever, I don't know when you're listening to it, but. Uh, like over 20,000 people died, like 80,000 people were injured. It was just awful. And so this is not a new thing. This has been going on since a long time back, but at least at AD 60, they were dealing with an earthquake back then too. And back then it was, they were prosperous, financially prosperous enough that they declined financial help from the Roman empire. So the, the, the empire would kind of like our FEMA, you know, when there's a, when there's a natural disaster, uh, you know, if they call in FEMA and declare it a national emergency and, uh, get go and get federal funding, they kind of did that back then, uh, with the Roman empire and they actually turned it down. I don't know why they did. Maybe they felt like that would be, I don't know if they thought it would make them beholden to the empire more than they even were not sure, but they did apparently turn it down because they're kind of doing pretty good. And the reason they were doing pretty good was because they had a very prosperous textile and banking industries, two, two industries there, textiles and banking. So they made, they made uh, clothing and, uh, you know, blankets and all kinds of textiles like that. And they had the ability to cash them out and uh, finance them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Cause they had a, they had a developed banking system. So, they also had a, uh, believe it or not, they had a, they were a center of medicine because they had a school of ophthalmology, which I thought was like, they had a school of ophthalmology back in the first century, AD. Apparently they did. And that school was known. And keep, remember this as we go through this lesson. That school is known for making an eye salve, which is like an ointment for helping people apparently see better something with their eyes. It was, a, they made a medical product. It was an eye salve. That's going to be important later. Um, there, this is also important later too. There were two nearby cities that had access to hot and to cold water. One of these cities was called, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Hierapolis, uh, they had a hot water spring. And so they used it for bathing, but they also used it for, like uh, making like tonics that you could drink. And they thought there, there were some health benefits for that. And then Colossae was nearby. You know, we get the book of Colossians uh, because there was a Colossae. And they had cold water. 
And so you could use, you get a refreshing drink from that. They also thought there were some other health benefits for that. And so think about it like this, a modern sports team, uh, they'll have a bucket of ice water on the sideline, uh, so that the players can drink it. You can also go into the locker room or to the, you know, to the team facility later on and do some rehabbing in either the hot tub or the cold tub. Right. So, uh, there's, there's reasons why you'd want hot and cold water. Uh, the Odyssey didn't have access to that. And the reason is because the water that they had, the only, there's a river nearby called the, the, uh, Lycus river and it was dirty. And so it wasn't fit to drink from, and they had to import all their water from an aqueduct in one of these other two cities. And I think it came from Hierapolis and because it came from Hierapolis, which had the hot water, then by the time it got to Laodicea five miles away, it's kind of dirty because it's been in an aqueduct. It's not, without a top on it. If you, you know, think about what could fly over that. Um, it's also not hot anymore. It's just lukewarm. And so it wasn't that great for drinking. Didn't have very many good health uh, effects. It was just kind of seen as good for nothing. It was basically just, okay, I'll drink this and it'll keep me alive. And that's pretty much it. So remember that part for coming up in a little bit later. They're also known for their worship of Zeus. So the city is worshiping Zeus, but that's not the problem that Jesus has with the church itself. He does think they're having some idol worship problems, but their, their idol is materialism and dependence on self and I am self-sufficient and I don't need God. That's the attitude that they're putting out. And that's why they pretty much have a completely failing grade from Jesus. And a couple other things we know about um, the city was that Paul was in touch with them because he writes in Colossians 2.1. And remember, Colossians or Colossi is like five miles away. Um, he said uh, that... Um, he had been in touch with them in, the ch- in chapter two and in chapter four, verse 13, he says he's worked hard for the church in Laodicea. So I don't know how it was, what the effects of his work in, let's say the sixties were going, but by the nineties, when this letter's written, they were not going well. And, you know, you, if you remember back the episode about Sardis, even Sardis had some positive things said about it by Jesus that here there is, there's nothing negative. There is a promise that if they turn things around, they'll be rewarded, but he's not saying what they're doing right now is good. What he said about them was that they were spiritually blind, naked and bankrupt because their relationship with him was not important to them. And the reason for that is they're placing their security on their health, like the medicines, the healthcare and all that, uh, the gymnasiums and the, you know, the bathing facilities and the, and their wealth, you know, the textiles and the, uh, the banking system and they're doing just fine. I don't think I need Jesus. That's, that's the, the vibe they're putting out. And that's what Jesus is picking up on. And he's not happy about it. So he gives some kind of stinging parallels. Now, this is where I said that, um, the things that I described a few minutes ago, we're going to come back up. So Jesus calls himself the faithful and true witness. And then he starts basically talking about, I'm paraphrasing here, 
their spiritual boredom. You know, they're just kind of bored. Uh, and the, he calls, he says, he compares it with lukewarm water, like what was in their aqueduct coming in. It's just lukewarm. It's not hot. It's not good for anything. It's not cold. It's just tepid and dirty. And he said he wanted to spit them out of his mouth. So another parallel he makes is, you remember they had that school of ophthalmology with the ISAV? He said that they were blind. He's basically saying there, you guys are, you may have that ISAV, but you're spiritually blind. And he encouraged them to get ISAV from him so that they could see. And, you know, I, I go, I think about, I, this wasn't even in my show notes prepping, but you know, you think about all those times when uh, Jesus healed the blind man and he, one time he, he uh, spit and in, in the mud and took the mud and put it on the blind man's eyes. Well, he's encouraging them to get salve from him so they can put the salve in their eyes and so that they can be healed from their spiritual blindness. So I just thought of that. That's just kind of referencing back to that maybe, but he thinks they're spiritually blind. He thinks all the things that they think are awesome about them are what's kind of wrong with them. Uh, They were wealthy. He said they were spiritually bankrupt he, they had that, you know, I told you they had the textile manufacturing center. Jesus implied that they're spiritually naked and encouraged them to buy white garments from him without cost. But he said, basically come to me for the, the clothing. You guys are, what you don't know is you're broke, naked and blind. And you think that you're doing awesome. And I don't think you are because, you know, he would say true success is relying on Christ and upon God for our blessings and, and realizing giving them honor and glory as a source for those. He's saying these guys aren't doing that. So like I said before, before we're too, we're too hard here in uh, maybe not even in America, just in our world today and uh, our culture these days, are we really so different? You know, if do we think we don't need God because you know, I can, I can cover my house note and I can, my job has some benefits. I can go down to the hospital and get something done if I need to, you know, kind of got this covered. Do we ever feel like that? And, you know, so they were worshiping, uh, this idol basically of materialism and, and health. I would wonder if we could throw in on top of that these days, could we throw in entertainment? Are we getting our, our entertainment is that where we're getting our sense of peace and comfort and security. You know, uh, just, I don't want to think about right now. So I'm just going to veg out zone out and, you know, watch whatever movie to make me feel better. Uh, maybe we could even add one on that they didn't have. So let's, let's, uh, let's at least consider that that could be a possibility for us. Not being too hard on us, but think about it. Uh, but let's, since this is the podcast called the roots of revelation, let's look at some roots, some scriptural roots about what revelation has to say about to us about relying on wealth rather than God. So there's, there's quite a few of these actually. Um, Proverbs 11, four says wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. 
Proverbs 11:28 says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Going up to Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then we you skip down the same chapter to Matthew six thirty one through 33. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Then you go over to Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse 19. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And, you know, that's kind of what had happened there. there Jesus was one of the things he's kind of upset with him about is that their witness is basically they're, they're not doing much witnessing. They're not they're they're not proclaiming the gospel there. It had become unfruitful. And then here's another one that you'll recognize, uh, the parable of the rich fool. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. It's a mouthful. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store up my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself that is not rich toward God. Now, I think the problem isn't money. I mean, yes, all these have been about money. Money's a problem, right? I I don't think so. I think money helps you become more of what you already are. Um, I've heard somebody say that before. I'm not going to claim that. And maybe it's not even right, but um, it's what came to my, my head right then. But if you think about it, when God asked Solomon, what name, anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, I'd like to be wise so I can govern this people of yours. And God said, because of that, I will make you wise and I'll make you uh, uh, very rich. So, it wasn't bad for God to make him rich. Uh, he blessed him in the way he wanted to bless him. The problem is our sense is placing our sense of well-being on the things of this world rather than on God. Basically, how can we use God's blessings for the kingdom rather than selfishly using them only for ourselves? You see, when we when we keep our gifts and our resources to ourselves, they they blind us, spiritually blind, uh, make us spiritually blind. They blind us to the fact that God is the true source of our blessings. 
So yes, Jesus was very hard on the Laodiceans, but he gave them hope too. He said, if you're blind, come to me for the eye salve. If you want to be rich, come to me for gold. If you want to be uh, clothed instead of naked, come to me and I'll give you white garments. And all he asked them to do was just to repent from their own self-reliance and their materialism and to rely on him. And he said, if they did turn back to him, that he would let them eat with him and sit on his throne with him in heaven. So how does it get better than that? So, so yes, it's a hard letter. And you know, he realizes that because he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. So he's basically saying, I'm disciplining you because I love you. It sounds like a parent to a child, right? I'm doing this for your own benefit so that you can have the, take the hard lesson now and have eternal uh, joy with me later. So let's think about our, our key takeaway. Um, and I would, I would say it's this. Don't let the things of this world blind you of your need for God. Because we do have a need for God, just sometimes we are blind to it. And we, we don't need to rely on the things of this world, whether it's materialism or our sense of self or, or just forgetting about our troubles while we watch the latest movie. That can't ultimately be where we derive our true sense of peace and comfort. Because Christ is a source of our true riches. He's where we get the real gold, he talks about. And he's all we need. And what we need to do is to spend enough time with him in prayer so that he can heal our spiritual blindness and show us what true wealth looks like in his kingdom. So I'm not trying to be preachy about that because probably this this episode hits closer to home to me than than I would like, but I guess it's also clear to me that this is the direction God wants us to go because of all the, the roots that we just went into, all the scriptural background, they pretty much all say the same thing. Don't rely on this world, rely on God. And so take that into the rest of your day and come back for episode 12 when we will be on a new topic that I haven't picked yet. But I'm excited about covering some new ground there and to uh, just keep this uh, this rolling because, uh, again, I, I've really, I'm enjoying this. And I don't know if anybody else is, but I am. And uh, I hope I hope that you are too. But whether you whether you enjoyed it or not, please know that, that God loves you and uh, that I love you. And I hope you come back for episode 12. And I'll see you then. 